Hey guys, this is Joe Costello from Hidden Horsepower. Just wanted to let you know about the next Engine Performance Expo. We're talking about January 13th and 14th. We're going to be live streaming the entire event on YouTube. That's right. No more sign in or register or any of that. Just go to YouTube and you can do it right now and search Engine Performance Expo. Expo. Subscribe, click the bell for notifications, and then when we go live January 13th and 14th, you won't miss a second. We're going to have some of the best engine builders in the world all there talking about the ins and outs of engine building and high performance. In the meantime, let's kick it back out to the Engine Performance Expo for an encore presentation of a great interview we did with Scooter Brothers. The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Now you're in the Hidden Horsepower hot seat. We're going to get to the bottom. <laughs> the hot seat. We're going to get to the bottom of uh, you know how you got to the point where you are, where a guy like Lake Speed says that you were one of his uh, ultimate mentors. And given the, the background he's had, that's, that speaks volumes. First of all, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate being here. It's uh, it's it's a great honor to be a part of this. And I'll say one thing: if Lake says I'm way high on his mentor list, the bar's set pretty low. Because <laughs> I know some of the other ones are are really better than I am. So, but it's good. It's it's wonderful to be in that group. That uh, to be sitting in this chair. Well, and uh, and we've had some great ones in the chair, and and that's the point because. Uh, to extract the information, the life experience. You know, people don't go around talking about how they got to where they are. They mm -hmm. talk about what is the next challenge and how to accomplish it. But I want to know how you got to where you are so we can learn from that. Started off young, like so many, uh, went mm -hmm. into the service. So let's I let's did. go back to the beginning, like with a spark of interest in automotive, racing head service, working, learning, and, and then, you know, you went into the military. Yep. I, uh, my dad had a auto repair shop and I hung out there from the time I could walk and went along. He fired me when I was 13 cause it was time he <laughs> go out and do something. So I did that and then ended up having to go in the service and I was committed to engines. I wanted to do something with engines and this was about the time that the piston engine stuff was going out on an aircraft, I liked aviation too. And jets were coming in and I wanted pistons. So the only place that would guarantee me something like that was the Navy. So I went into the Navy, worked on the big 1800 inch radial engines. And I remember telling my dad, I said, man, I'm afraid I won't be able to do this. He said, son, they're the same. It did, some of them are V, some of them are flat, some straight, some long, some short, some round but they're exactly the same. They do the same thing. And that's what I learned. They're all the same. And got through that, and uh, that was like a, a four-year period where you had some time to think. And I thought about formerly line mechanic at a Chevrolet place, doing this, doing that. I said, I don't want to do that. My passion is in something high performance. That's what I want to do. So the day I got out of the service, I went to Racing Head Service, which I had hung with those guys before uh, for a long time. And there was only like five people in the whole place. And I said, I want to come to work. So I started back there pulling heads out of the vat 
and steaming the heads off and cleaning them up and went from there learned different things and I kept wanting to learn then the more I learned the more I did and the more I did the more I had to learn and it just kept going and until I had an opportunity to I guess you could say buy into the business with a little sweat equity so I had a little piece of, of that business and it it grew and another opportunity came and it grew and it grew and it grew and um, then comp cams was started in the I mean, we, we sort of converged those two businesses together in the 80s. A lot of the other owners either were, were getting too old, they were they were retiring out, they were doing whatever. And all of a sudden, I just looked around and there I was, you know, and, and myself <laughs> and one other guy were the last two standing. And we began trying to grow, trying to grow and trying to grow. And... Uh, there it is. So I've never lost the passion of doing what I do. Um, still haven't. Uh, and my, my business partner is a lawyer. And I learned early on that lawyers compete the same way as racers compete. It's just like lining up on a drag strip. They line up against the guy on the other side of the courtroom and they want to kick his ass. Um, and after they one kicks the other's ass, then they'll go have a drink. It's just like a race. <laughs> so, you know, we share that same passion for competition and uh, have never stopped that. I don't. I hope we never do. Well, that's the thing is that he, that's the really abbreviated version of that story, by the way. There's <laughs> a lot of history there. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of... in the middle we, we won't talk about. Right. But the thing is, like you said, it's that same passion for competing. You, the one that I think coined the phrase, you know, some people race cars. Other people race companies, mm -hmm. and you, you and Ron, and the whole culture at Comp Cams. You guys kind of infuse that of you know, from racing head service to Comp Cams. Now you're driven that that we're racing companies. We're we're competitive, yeah. just like. And the thing is, what's neat about it to me is that you know the people that win the races are the ones that everybody knows about. That's right. But Robert Yates doesn't win Daytona 500 without the camshaft that you guys built for him, that yep. you're, you're partners in what you're doing. So talk a little bit about that partnership mentality and how important that is. I'll use a Robert Yates racing in, you know, mm -hmm. instance here. When Doug graduated college, I don't know when that was, middle 80s sometime, Robert called me. And he said, and, and Robert and I had known each other for, for a good while and talked a lot. And he said, my kid's getting out of school. And he's just not, he doesn't understand business. He doesn't understand how to treat people. He doesn't understand, he did well in school, but he, he thinks if he just outlives me, then he'll be okay. And I want you to teach him the world. I said, will you take him for a year? I said, Robert, I don't want him to move, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll, he'll work for me for a year, and and we'll teach. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had Doug for a year. That's right when the restrictor plate engines were coming out. We took, we worked, we probably ran 400 camshafts through the engines in a short period of time. Worked his ass off. 
It had to. Me, me, me. Physically, that's a lot of work. Yes. And uh, because Robert told me, he said, I want you to work his butt off. He wouldn't say ass off at the time. but um, (laughs) Robert's preacher son. (laughs) Yeah. But he came along at the end. He was okay. But um, Doug took his first two engines to Daytona and sat on the front row and won the race. First two engines he had ever built as an engine builder. Pretty good, uh, pretty good use of that year. Wow! So I'm I'm pretty proud of him. Doug calls me his racing dad, mm-hmm. and uh, and we continue that relationship right now. And I'll tell you another little instance that involves our friend Lake. Oh, here we go. <laughs> this started in St. Elmo's in what year? Oh four, something like that. Oh five, something like that. It's said, come on, we're going to have dinner. I want to talk to you about this idea. And it's Mark Cronquist and, and Lake, and I don't know if J.D. was there or not, but there was five or six of us mm-hmm. there. I ended up having to pay for the meal. <laughs> and um, but We was, bought a lot of camps from you back then, so it was fair. Yeah, oh, it was okay. It all worked out. Which is why it is so vividly remembered. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the shrimp sauce. But um, they said, you know, we've been doing this oil, and it's really good. And we think we can sell enough oil to pay for our oil program. And I told them, you're going to screw this up. Don't do it. Let me do it. Let me take it. I'll commercialize it. We'll do all that. We'll get you what you need and just send you money. And you won't have to do anything and you'll get money. Oh, no, we think we can do it. We think we can. And um, I don't know. I stayed kind of close to J.D. and bless his soul. J.D. was a mm-hmm. wonderful man, oh, yeah. wonderful, wonderful man. Um, and, and another thing to the whole Gibbs team, I don't know that I've ever had a situation where I work with better people. So that being said, one day J.D. calls and said, you know, I've been thinking. He said, we're better at racing cars than we are at selling oil. Will you still do something with us. So we worked out a plan to do something. It was important to him that all of his people stayed on and we kept the, the business as it was. And uh, we did that, and that's how we ended up with Driven. And it was, it, you know, the good Lord watches out somehow for people that aren't smart enough to do it for themselves. And somehow he dropped that Driven oil into our laps. And little did we know that 10, 12 years later, that was going to be our primary focus. And now we're moving it up the ladder the same way we did our other companies. So that, that's been kind of a fun deal. But there's interesting stories behind every one of them. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, the, the, the most exciting thing for me, probably one of the biggest learning curves for me personally in that whole process was getting to know Billy and working with Billy. Yeah. That, you know, this way things worked out, right, is just – uh, that transition from being just Gibbs to then being part of the the comp family and having that access to that resource, even though we were separate companies all along, but being able to share that that sister partnership, if you will, working with Billy in developing a testing method. That's right. You and know that the, was oh my god. Lake used a lot of his. Uh, he would test and he would use camshaft wear as as an indicator of what's going on. Which, which is very common. And we really didn't know how to measure wear on a cam. Just, I mean, you look at it, you measure it with a caliper or whatever, but 
Billy developed a, and made it. You couldn't go by what he made. No. He just took some old stuff and made this machine to, to measure surface finish and measure wear. And it it made us all so much smarter and, and aware of what's going on. Oh. It, it just it, it plowed new ground. Oh, yeah. And that was what, that's what's fun. It's, it's plowing new ground is fun. And, and like Warren said, we failed a lot. We, right. we, we, we made all kinds of mistakes early Absolutely. on trying to figure out how to make things better. But then eventually we really hit on something. And my gosh, I mean, that, that the GP1 that driven sells. Okay, sounds like a plug. I know. But it's the best stuff I've ever tested. It's amazing. But mm -hmm. we would have never known that if we hadn't gone through all that work to develop a test method. I mean, he remembers the first time we tested it, I said, eh, no way. That, that's an outlier. That could not possibly be right. We'll run it again. Ran it again, same result. And I'm like, nah, we, we, we had to double check everything. Ran it a third time. I'm like, hmm, okay, this might be real. Because wow. it was such a change. But you know, again, back to having the right people and being able to share resources uh, and that, that drive. You know, Billy was is just as driven mm -hmm. as I was to find a way to make it better. And you were the one that was always pushing us. That's would, my this job. wouldn't accept, right? That, that, okay, being complacent, no, not good enough. See, right now, and I need to get on his butt, but um, I'm walking through our shop the other day, our, our building, and I'm in the back, and I see all this stuff, all these drums of stuff. <laughs> and they got, you know, they're dusty. Mm -hmm. And I brought somebody up there, and I said, what the hell is all this? Well, this is all the bad ideas. That's that's your manifolds, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's but, I mean, there's collections. Right? Well, that's why I have an opportunity to say, like that was your fault. All this stuff <laughs> was your fault. But um, he wasn't afraid to fail. No, no, not, no. I mean, not at all. And uh, we had to. You know, you just have to. And it's it's not fun to fail by any means, but it sure is fun to win, and it's fun to get past that, and fun to find that all those bad things led me to this to this one thing. Well, back to the 400 camshafts. There's only yeah. one camshaft that, that won that race. One camshaft won that race. But there are 399 that didn't. That's right. And, and probably, I don't know what happened to them. At, at Richard Childress's, which we've worked with forever, mm -hmm. he didn't want anybody to know what cams he was running. Right. So when he built his next building, he took camshafts and used them as rebar in the concrete. <laughs> so it's got the most expensive slab on that building that you could ever possibly have. Oh, my that one of his buildings, where there's a little development thing now, there's there's camshafts, hundreds of them, in re, as rebar in the concrete. Well, like Warren yesterday, right? He said that that the the twin cam engine they had, yeah, they destroyed it. Yeah, I don't want anybody to see it. So I just destroyed it. Yeah, unbelievable. I know. That's funny. That's step. Well, first of all, a thousand years from now, when they're chipping out that concrete, someone's going to be for a heck of a Yeah, they, they, they won't even know what a camshaft is then. Passion goes a long way. But ultimately, though, you have to have talent. So the business acumen and the leadership quality. Um, where did that all come from? Was it your time in the military? Was it just, uh, you know, to be in position is one thing, but to be able to succeed is another thing. And that comes down to talent. So I'd like to go back to that. Okay. You succeeded. What do you owe that to? Where well, that you know, from? the military taught me a strict discipline is the key to success or a key. You, when when you have a goal, you have to discipline yourself to get there. That's fine. 
I came back and was working within the companies, and we would we would see. I mean, I'll give you an example. And this was before I worked for CompCams. When I was at RHS, we decided that we wanted to build late model dirt track engines. Had never built one. So we built one and went to Florida for speed weeks and we put it in a guy's car and he led 99 laps and it blew up on the last lap. Kevin Gundecker, he's still involved in racing. And uh, we didn't know you had to run a special rod and we didn't know that you had to run a dry sump system. and We just didn't know. We took down there what we knew and it made really good power and it almost won the race. But we learned, hey, I, we got to step up our program here a little bit. So long story short, there's a picture hanging in my office of a dirt track race that was run right here in Kingsport, just down the street. And at the time, it was the old NDRA dirt racing series that was the, the premier of all. And this was the highest paying dirt race that had ever been run to that point. And there's a picture of five cars coming around the first corner. Well, four of them had our engine in. So we just said, we're going to take that. We're going to go get it. We did. Now, the thing that we didn't do is make money. We were horrible at managing the business. And that's where my partner, the attorney, came in and taught us. I mean, Probably had he not come in, we'd have all ended up in jail for tax reasons or something, I, you know, because we were horrible at doing business the proper way. And um, when he came in, he put the, the business acumen into it, uh, and that is what really turned it around, the combination of those two. And, you know, we, we run the business today. We ran it for 20, 30, 40 years. And we stay very separate. We'll go a month or so and never see each other. But he runs that. I run this. We talk. We sort of, we argue. We fight. But we come together with that one thing, and that's what we go do. And it's been, it's been very good for me to learn that it's probably more important to make sure you, you make money than it is to make sure you make the best product. Because you can make the best product. And if you're in business and you don't make money, you won't be there long. That was what I told these guys originally on the uh, oil. So you can make this oil, but to sell it, you got to think about so many things and so many different price structures and so many ways to get it to market that you're not going to, you won't succeed because you'll never, you, you can't learn that stuff. No, you don't. It's it's the science of building the oil is way easier than yeah. building the rest of the business. That right. was the hardest part. You know, making us. the power was easy. Yep. Making money was not. No, that was that was much much harder. And, and we had to reconstruct the, the the not the oil. That was perfect, but we had to reconstruct the way we took it to market, and that was the business side that we put into it. Very interesting. I and think the thing is, if you don't do the business side right. You go out of business. Right. Then the product's gone. And then you leave everybody hanging. And that was kind of the, the main thing from the Gibbs side is that, listen, we, we have this product. We know it's good. But we're struggling at keeping this thing alive. Well, we don't want to burn everyone's bridges by it going away. Because the easy no. thing to do is just say, well, you know what? We're a race team. 
this isn't what we need to do. And we'll just stockpile a little bit of this for a while and we'll call it good and just burn everybody else. That's not how you treat people. That's not the right thing to do. But that wasn't, the, I mentioned the Gibbs family, and that's not what they do. No. No, that's not their It's just not them. No. But what, what I'm taking out of it, though, is that you recognize what the you know, strengths were mm -hmm. and what they weren't. And you brought somebody in, made connection with someone who you trusted, who yep. could handle the area that wasn't your strongest and helped that's you right. succeed. And I think that's a valuable lesson. It, it's it's a lesson of, you know, selecting your, your team members, building your team with the right people. You know, you always want to build your team with people that are way smarter than you are. And, and we try to do that. Uh, we don't always succeed, but we try to do it. Um, and... You know the 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 template that we've built with with my strengths and and Ron, my partner's strengths is it will work if we were to uh, I mean we went from camshafts to oil same template works if we went to uh, pickles or firecrackers it wouldn't make any difference the template works and so. We build the template, we try to adhere to the template, we try and put the best people in the core of whatever that business is going to be, and give them the right tools, and then get out of their way. Some live feedback here from Brian Hosenfeld. Uh, <laughs> I may, may not want to answer this, but go ahead. That's go ahead, Brian. Yet. I just want to like, let it... Uh... No, two of the finest, smartest gentlemen I've ever had the opportunity to work with and learn from. Always an honor to spend time with Lake and Scooter. I thought you were saying Joe. Brian is a sales guy at Comp. Very, very, very good. Or Edelbrock now, I guess. I right. have a hard time with that. But um, still a Bush series to me. So some things yeah, that exactly. hang on for a while. But he was a, a one of the more recent additions to uh, to the group there, and has been fantastic. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's again a great team. I, I can't. I have a hard time following the finding the right words to say how much it well one I'm very thankful that you're here uh, thank you for for being part of this I know that you were part of the original AETC mm -hmm. and hopefully that you approve of, of uh, this, our this what we're fantastic. doing with the legacy of this yes. but the, that team there in that environment that was I got the best of both worlds right I got I worked work for Joe Gibbs mm -hmm. and with Mark and be in that <clears throat> environment and then go over to comp and be part of that environment and learn that side of it. I mean, that's, I'm the luckiest guy in the whole world. I mean, I, you know, what Dave Ramsey says, right. I'm, I'm better than I deserve to be. Right. I mean, it's, that's, that, I don't, I didn't earn any of this. <laughs> it, it's crazy what's happened. And it, it is, but it's, but you run with it though. Right. You, you can't yeah. just there and say, well, oh, well, that's you take it and you run and you push in that environment and just keep going it's cool to see what you guys are doing with Driven. I obviously have a lot of heart and pride in that because it's a continuation. Um, but you know that it's as you go forward. So what, what's what's next? What do you, what do you think next? I mean, obviously, at this point, with not having comp anymore, you could just throw your feet up on the table and say, ah, "I'm good." Yeah, and and I, I could, but but that's not me, right? And, and it's not Ron, and it's not the template that we talked about, right? Um, I'm going to tell one more little story here, at least. When I first started the oval track engine thing, mm -hmm. we had a really good racer at the time named Freddie Smith that used our stuff. Yep. 
and Freddie was lived in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, right off the highway. And his dad worked a, had a little shop there where he just piddled around. His dad was was fairly old at the time, but he was one of the original Holman Moody guys. He built engines at Holman Moody, so early on at Holman Moody. So I'd go in. His name was Grassy Smith. I'd go in and we'd talk. We'd just sit and talk. And he said, um, I'm building this engine over here. He said, what's the best cam for that engine? And I don't know what it was. And I told him, he shook his head. He said, that's, that's not it. I said, well, you know, what, what are you talking about? I kind of know. And I said, that's the best cam there is. Nope. He said, the best cam for that engine is the one that you'll develop tomorrow. He said, if you're doing your job, tomorrow's cam will always be better than today's cam. And, and I've carried that thought for 50 years. And you say, what's next? Well, whatever tomorrow is, I want to be better than today. And if we can keep doing that, like I say, I don't know if it'll be oil or if it'll, I mean, we're already doing some, some fuel treatment, mm -hmm. octane booster or whatever it's called. I get my mouth washed out when I say octane booster, but it's something else. I don't know what it is, <clears throat> but I don't know what it'll be. I'm sure something will come along that fits that template well, and, um, you know, we'll be able to pull it into the family, but we're not going to go away. We can't. I happen to have a little bit of insight here. Yeah. They have a little treasure trove of some pretty cool advanced technology. Yeah. It might come out one day. <laughs> you know, somebody, I don't know if it was when we were at one of the tables outside sitting mm -hmm. talking, uh, and they were talking about things that cost a lot. <laughs> and I said, well, mm -hmm. I'm just listening. And somebody said, this wheel that we made, it was Kyle Fickler was at Weld at the time. We made this wheel and it was $5,000. Everybody said, no way it'll sell. Well, it it did. They couldn't get enough of them. Well, we made a plastic manifold back in the 80s for the LS. And it was very expensive to make. We had probably around $700,000 invested when we made the first one. And didn't really know if it was going to work. We thought it would. Had run it through all the GT power and all the simulation programs, but had never made one. And we that's before you had all you could print them and mm -hmm. before you could do any of that we had to make one and you had to make the tooling to do it so we made one here's 700 grand go run it and see what it'll do and it made like 12 horsepower which i was but the ls crowd was happy <clears throat> then it come well First, I had to tell Ron, my partner. <laughs> Sorry, that's and I got and, and Lake's got a Lake uh, knows him. Yeah, yeah. He's as tight as a bark on a tree. And I said, Ron, we've made this. I said, I said, sit down first. You're going to have a really good idea. Now I'm going to explain to you what it is. Which that's the way I have to work him. And I said, we've got this manifold idea. We're going to do. Okay. So it's probably going to cost seven hundred thousand dollars, and he said, "Oh, we can open that. Dumb idea. Can't do that." I said, "Well, we're already four hundred fifty thousand dollars in, so I'm going to have to finish it." 
and then I got the lecture, the dummy lecture of, of all times. Uh, I've had those before. You learn to deal with them. But we made the manifold. At the time, you could go buy one from GM for $200 that was almost as good. But we made ours sexy. We put lipstick on the pig and made it sexy. And uh, I said, what am I going to sell these for? I, you know, they're $200. I, I said, well, we got $750,000 in this. Maybe I can sell a thousand of them, so I'm gonna price them at seven hundred fifty dollars, and then we'll we'll be flush. Well, we set, we priced them at nine hundred, I think, and since then have sold hundreds of thousands of them. So it's been very successful. But the most successful thing is we had the manifold on display at the SEMA show, and it was at night. We had covered everything up, and the next morning I came in. And Ron had one of his buddies from another company, and he's peeling that thing back, and he's talking about this manifold. And he said, and you know what? I'm the only son of a bitch in the industry that had the balls to do something. Get out. <laughs> Man, I've made it now. That's, I have made it now because I, I made it his idea. And uh, it, it has done well. And those are one of those things that you can't be afraid to fail. you got to just commit to it. And if you're pretty sure of the team you built and pretty sure of what you're doing, it's probably going to work out. Wow. So that right. was a good one. So uh, thinking about this and the, the collection of characters over there kind of made me think about WJ yesterday and the WJ University. Yes. So talk about some of the uh, graduates of the uh, RHS and comp school. Because I know there was a collection of characters back in the early days. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I probably a lot of guys don't know that Joe Lenati actually worked for RHS, right? Nope. No, he didn't. No, nope, he never did. He Joe worked for, Joe was a baker at Kroger. Okay. He baked bread. And he would go over during the week, weeknights, to a local engine rebuilder, mm -hmm. and he'd grind cams. Okay. And at the time, I mean, camshaft grinding or developing was really, really crude. Right. And he would take a master, who's about this big, and he'd say, I want to change this lobe. And he'd go weld a little bit on this and grind a little bit and hold it up and, you know. Yeah. And physically make, hand make the lobe. And um, we were going to start a business. Okay. I knew there was some connection we with Joe somewhere. We were going to start a business. Yeah. And the week before we were going to have the press release on starting this business, Here's an ad in National Dragster for introducing Lenati Cams. I said, well, I guess we're not going to have a business. So shortly after that, we started Cam Dynamics, and that moved into into competition cams. So uh, Joe was kind of an early player in okay. helping us start the business. He just didn't work out that way. And, and now we bought Lenati after Holly had had it. So, right. Uh, you know, some of the, the characters in this industry, I, you know, I was always Warren's enemy. I... I could never, I wasn't allowed to speak to Warren because I was really, really close friends with Bob Glidden. And those two hated each other. It, I just, it was, the, the competition was so bad that Glidden didn't want me even talking to him because he didn't want even the, because I knew stuff in Glidden's engine that a long time ago he crashed really bad at Atlanta. Yep. Just tore the car all to pieces. Mm -hmm. And the first thing he did is got out of the car and took off his jacket and covered the manifold. Because <laughs> he didn't want anybody to see the manifold. 
I mean, I had seen all that stuff. I, right. I knew, and so I wasn't allowed to talk to Warren. And we had the big laughs about that yesterday. But, um, you know, the, the the players that have been part of my life, more so than the ones that have come up working there, um, you know, Buddy Ingersoll comes to mind in drag racing, mm-hmm. who was not afraid to fail and not afraid to go off the reservation. Yeah. You know, he bought that four-cylinder turbocharged Pinto, and one of the biggest problems we had was keeping the flywheel on it because it vibrated so bad. We talking about vibrations. Mm-hmm. When we didn't know what to do, so we ended up welding it on. It worked. It was so crude, it worked. The only time it brought up a problem was when he sold the car and the guy called him and said, how do I get the flywheel off? And <laughs> I said, well, it's part of the crankshaft now. <laughs> but, you know, we did things that were, were crazy. We I'd never seen an overhead cam engine with a roller follower. I'd, I'd never paid any attention to them. We wanted to put a roller cam in it, so we just ground a roller cam and put it in there. We were... We were so dumb, we didn't know what how bad the valve train was going to be, and it started breaking the cam towers off. And we said, oh, these dummies at Ford, they didn't make the cam tower strong enough. So we machined all that off and made billet cam towers, and it broke them off. And then we realized that those were all bad ideas. Let's go back and start over again. But we weren't afraid. We, we probably weren't smart enough to be afraid. We just went forward with with what we thought might work. And the, the very end result, the thing was very, very fast. He bought that turbocharged V6. And um, actually when it got banned was right over here at the racetrack when he almost won an IHRA race yes. and could have, he could have beaten Glidden, but he knew, you know, politically it was the wrong thing to do. But that thing was really, really fast. And, uh, it was plowing new ground all the time. You know, on that on that note, just because we got the Thunder Valley Nationals, and I, I, I'm very happy about where we are right now. Mm-hmm. I love drag racing. But the road not taken, right? Like Warren, 1988, he thought fuel injection should come in, and maybe if it had, like, what would be different? And the same thing with Buddy Ingersoll. Mm-hmm. That car, had they decided to say, yes, let's do that, and figure it out and work it in, like, what? How far, how much further along might we be, or, or maybe not? Well, sometimes, and and I think back, and that was kind of the time that the import, we called them import cars at the time, were coming in, and NHRA said, wow, they're coming in, we need to make a series for them, which they did, and it failed. SEMA had all these big shows, they failed, all of them failed, but they didn't fail because they were bad they didn't fail because they were bad ideas it just wasn't the right time and here we are 15 years later or something and you look around and that's that's the the crowd that's coming in it's it's time we were we were talking to an older generation like us and they didn't know what it was we were kind of onto something we knew we were and and now i think as we sit here next year We'll probably be talking as more about the, that style of racing or mm-hmm. that style, part of uh, of our industry because it's changing, and I'm happy to see it changing. And I look back and think maybe we had some early, early influence and just didn't know it. But um, 
there, there's reasons that all that stuff happens. Interesting. Well, and you mentioned the drifting the other day, and uh, I like to think we'll be able to pull some of those kids back into some of the older we school will. stuff too. Somebody told me today that there's a kid coming here today, 18 years old, that started a shop, and that's his whole clientele. Mm-hmm. Right. Is the the drifting, and he said he's into it. He loves it. He wants to do more and more, and he knows the value of the information that's in a a forum like this so he's coming to search it out and more and more of them will it'll be fun exactly scooter this has been incredible and wealth of knowledge obviously and just the feedback that we get from lake and and folks on the internet and i love the fact that you are uh still forging ahead we have to that's we can't stop well as grassy said we got to be better tomorrow than we are today love it yeah, he can sit here all day and just tell stories on it, by the way. It, it, I could. So he's being really nice. I'm, I'm, I'm being really nice. No, no, we, got, we always have time for that. Uh, <laughs> it's the end uh, of, the, of the segment. We'll do we that next time. Cool. you got to drop one on it. Yeah, there you go. And give me, give me a quick 30-second embarrassing <laughs> Lake Speed Junior story. Like, There's got to be one where he well, broke something or blew something up. Or well, he, I'm sure. Something caught fire. I'm sure that there's things that I have found out that were done that he forgot to tell me at the time mm-hmm. that were being done. You know, I, I would be looking at just o- barely looking at invoices and things that are going out. And I said, Holy crap, this guy in Australia has bought all this stuff until I look and it says no charge. And Lake says, Oh, he's doing some testing for me. This is just oil testing stuff. And I thought, damn, that's a lot of testing. But, you know, sometimes it's better off that I don't know some of those things than I do know because it worked out fine. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> well, <Yes. laughs> he, he may have learned that at our place too. Oh, yeah. I just kind of like the manifold story with Ron. There you go. Well, thank you very much. This has been tremendous. Appreciate it. And these are the kind of interviews we do on Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal Piston Rings. You should definitely go check them out. This segment brought to you by Comp Cams. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much, Scooter. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And uh, I believe you'll be back later on today. Or... Actually, he's got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. Well, thank you for your time here at the Engine Performance Expo. All right. Well, thank you for doing it, and I look forward to being fortunate enough to be a part of it in the future. This Hidden Horsepower is a throwback to the Engine Performance Expo to remind you that the 2023 Engine Performance Expo will be January 13th and 14th. Go to YouTube, type in Engine Performance Expo, subscribe, click the bell. You'll never miss a second. People are signing on as we speak. It is going to be great. And Hidden Horsepower, the next couple of weeks, we're going to have great guests from the Engine Performance Expo to give you a taste of what it's all about. And if you love Hidden Horsepower, write us a review. Give us five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. And remember, always make Total Seal your first call, not your last call. I'm Joe Costello, and we'll see you next time on Hidden Horsepower, presented by Total Seal.